legends like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. As always, I am joined by Harrison Fagan. So here's how today went down. Harrison and I recorded about 50 minutes of a podcast uh, that was reacting to the lack of news that the Lakers had sent out about Anthony Davis. That was for the first, like, 20 minutes or so. And then we threw to the actual topic of today's episode, which is uh, Russell Westbrook. And if there is a scenario that uh, could take place that would make us more comfortable or comfortable at all with uh, running it back next year, as Ramona Shelburne reported. Yes, if you guys are listening right now, uh, if you're listening in your car, Chris Haynes has since refuted that report. That's neither here nor there. So what we're going to do is react to the report that dropped, what, Harrison, would you say like a minute after we were done recording? You know, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll give us a little credit. I think it was five minutes after we had finished recording. <laughs> like, <laughs> It was enough time for me to realize, and this is going to be something that you guys are going to have to deal with in the second half of the show. It was enough time for me to realize that for some reason my mic had shut off. And instead of recording me through the mic that you're hearing right now, my dulcet tones that you guys are listening to right now, they were actually through my headphone microphone. So it's going to sound like a Twitter Spaces for the second half of the show. Normally, I would just say, you know what? I can't use that audio, but I thought the conversation itself was really good. And most importantly, the end of this show is legitimately the funniest ending that we have ever, ever had. What do you think? You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, I better not see any of you snitch tagging me. Uh, like, <laughs> It, it's you know at least Mia isn't like universally beloved on Lakers in Lakers Twitter. Is she? Oh, she totally is. Yeah, I'm just digging my grave deeper for good reason. By oh, the way, okay. Mia, oh. Mia, I I like you more than your husband does, apparently. <laughs> Although, if you meet no, I'm <laughs> you guys, if you've enjoyed that little back and forth, make sure you stick around for the end of the episode. So right now, Harris and I are going to react to the news that just dropped, have our 10, 15-ish minute conversation about what this means uh, for the Lakers and all of that, and then we're going to throw to the second half of the show where, again, warning, it sounds different. I'm going to sound different. Harrison is going to sound fine. Because I'm a podcast professional. <laughs> and I am going to sound like shit because I am less of one. All right. Uh, as the Lakers... The, the Lakers actually released this. This, was, this wasn't something that uh, Shams leaked before everybody else. Uh, the Lakers released that Anthony Davis has suffered a midfoot sprain. So I thought for sure ankle. I thought I don't. I didn't even know that you could sprain your midfoot. Like I don't even know what that. You know, this goes back to our original version of this conversation. I'm yeah. not a doctor. Neither are you. I don't even know what that is or what that means. Like, well, and that's why you know. That's why, generally speaking, I don't. I don't try to identify the exact injury. I will, however, have a handout. Like, hey, 
that looks like a six to eight weeker, right? Uh, the Lakers are announcing, though, that he is going to be reevaluated in four weeks, which, as we have found out, does not mean that he is going to be returning in four weeks. My guess is they're going to look at it again, and they're going to, you know, that, that gives... And by the way, Harrison, this is how they should have been handling all of these injuries. Like, if, if they would just come out and say with, let's just say, a player who has had an injury that has lingered all year, we'll say, if they had just come out and said, yeah, we are going to reevaluate this player in four weeks, six weeks, instead of hoping month after month after month after month that this guy is going to be available, maybe just maybe we'd be looking at Kendrick Nunn a little bit differently. But I think with the way that they handled this, I think this is smart. They say, hey, he, he sprained his foot. We are going to use these next four weeks to ascertain not just his situation, but where we currently stand at that time and whether it makes sense to bring this guy back. Uh, and they can move forward that way. Yeah. And like the, the specifics of the press release or the strategy of it aside, you know, like the, the four weeks is, you know, like that's great that they're giving us a specific timeline. We know when he's going to be looked at again. We know when there Still feels starts to become a chance of, you know, when he could come back. But four weeks, even with the all-star break, uh, you know, giving you kind of a one-week buffer where there's one week where he's not missing games Mm -hmm. in there because there's not games being played. A week and a half, yeah. The Lakers only have 24 regular season games left. Just, like, let's say he comes back, he gets cleared on this reevaluation date, returns right then, right the very next game. He would still have missed 11 of the team's final 24 games and only have 13 games left to ramp up for the playoffs. So, you know, this is why when we talk about this kind of stuff, you know, like, and this looked really serious and it's like, Oh, you know, like that may kind of be the final nail in the coffin on this season. Like that's why, because Mm -hmm. there's almost no runway to kind of get everyone back on the same page for the playoffs. And, you know, maybe his own conditioning, by the way, he's not going to be able to run. Like this is not, this is not something that allows him to really condition. No. And, And you know, that's also, that would be a problem even if the Lakers had had the entire season to this point to get their big three on the yeah. same, you know, page, get everyone used to playing together, all these different lineups figured out, everything. They have not done that yet. And so now, you know, you've got a 13 game window to kind of figure that out. And they're probably still going to make the play in. Like nobody is necessarily like just sprinting from behind to catch them and knock them entirely out of the top, you know, 10 seeds. Yeah. It kind of depends on it the would take Zion two teams behind them passing them. Them, and I'm just not sure that that's going to happen. Yeah, it would take like, yeah, like you're talking about, like, are the Blazers, I think it's the Blazers, I should have the, the standings pulled up, but like if Zion comes back and... Right now behind them, it's the Blazers, Pelicans, Spurs, Kings, Thunder, and Rockets. So like, you know, Thunder, Rockets, obviously not. Kings want to, uh, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, the Blazers They are... have looked better since they got Sabonis back, though. The Blazers are trying to tank. Uh, so they're not really a danger. So it's like the Spurs have pretty much admitted that they're tanking. So it's really, you know, you're hoping that both the Pelicans and the Kings don't beat the Lakers the rest of the way, you know, in terms of their schedule. And the Pelicans are currently four games back. Yeah. The the Pelic- the the Kings are like seven games back. So the Lakers should be still in a spot where they're going to make the play in. Now, will they win a play in with like kind of this, you know, go- all going on? I don't know, but they should still be 
pretty much locked into the plan, barring like losing every single game basically while AD is out. This also, however, means that they are not jumping up to the 7-8 spot where no. now in this play-in situation, the Lakers are going to have to win two games. Yeah, you know? because they're going to be in the lower half of it. Right. So they're going to have to win two games and then they're going to face off against either Phoenix or Golden State. So and that can be done. The Grizzlies did it last year. Yeah. You know, like they're, yeah. Yeah. And and by the way, like you're going to be doing, like if you, you know, but look, Minnesota, the Clippers, neither of those teams, like they're both playing pretty good basketball right now. But I guarantee you, neither of those teams will be interested unless the Clippers get like Paul George, who the, I don't think they're going to be getting back. And Kawhi Leonard, who I, I definitely don't think they're going to be getting back this year. I think, Ty Lu accidentally said that Kawhi isn't going to be back this year. But I also think that he may have, I, th I think PG there, the latest report was that he probably is still returning. Yeah. Well, uh, and if they get him back, then that makes it that much more difficult for the Lakers, right? Yeah. To, to, to make that work. So yeah, yeah. I we'll see how this goes. The other thing that I, I kind of want to talk about that we didn't touch um, when we originally discussed Anthony Davis's uh, injury is remember back at the beginning of the year, and, you know, I, I look, I will grant everybody listening to this that I can come across as chicken little, but I, I do recall losing my mind with some of the lineup choices that the Lakers were making where everybody knew the entire league knew that DeAndre Jordan didn't have it. And uh, the Warriors had let us know, like, if they were okay with losing Kent Bazemore to a division rival. That probably should have said something about the the kind of play that we should anticipate from Kent Bazemore this year. Well, the Warriors actually offered him more. He took less because he wanted to go to a contender, which, you know, is about the level of decision making that we have come to expect from watching. Well, that, Kent I was going to say, like, year. yeah, <laughs> his instincts uh, have to be questioned a little bit. Um, but you know, back then, so the Lakers opened the season with a very light schedule and opened the season, you know, with with uh, the kind of run that even though the Lakers didn't have any continuity to be able to build off of, you still thought like, yeah, they should be able to run through this, earn themselves a little bit of a lead because we know that as they close this season out, it was going to be tough sledding. And that's why back then I was really annoyed with some of the lineup choices that Frank Vogel was making be, and, and, and whether it was politics whether it was uh, comfortability, like what, whatever it might have been, you know, you can't. It's the it's the the age old cliche: fuck around and find out, man. You play you play stupid games, you well, win stupid prizes, and and like the Lakers that, have found out, and exactly. they're on their way to some very stupid prizes, including a best case scenario of a back to back play in championship. Right. So, and, you know, and, and like that, but that's my point. That's my point yeah. here is that like earlier in the year when people were telling me that I was too negative and I was too pessimistic about these things when they were, you know, Oh, well, they're, they're, they're still winning games. They're a game or two above 500. They're still figuring these things out. And I'm like, yeah, but later in the year, they're going to have to play tougher games as they finish out this season. And by the way, we don't know how these injuries are going to go. And lo and behold, here we are. And, and I just hope that whether it's, it's not going to be Frank Vogel, you and I both have agreed that he's not going to be the coach next year, but, LeBron James probably will be. Anthony Davis probably will be. I hope that they realize that their margin for error isn't what they what it was a couple of years ago when you had good role players like KCP and Kuz and Caruso to be able to carry you through 
you know, making some iffy decisions. And even, by the way, back then, like, JaVale was a better player than DeAndre Jordan. So even that was more explicable, starting JaVale instead of starting Anthony Davis. And I, you know, I, I hope next year, because this year, I, I think you and I agree, this year's pretty much shot. This year... Pretty I, much. Basically, yeah. It's yeah. like it's it's like double tap in in <laughs> what was the uh, the zombie zombie land, right? Zombie land. Yeah, the double tap. Like somebody just walked by with a shotgun and shot Bill Murray, and we all watched it happen. And and like I would just hope that the lesson carried forward from this season is that you can't mess around when given the opportunity to mess around. It, it really sucks. And I really feel legitimately bad for, for especially Anthony Davis here because he has this narrative about being soft and about being uh, fragile and all these things. And by the way, I said soft. I regret that still to this day. Sorry. But with Anthony Davis, like he did work his ass off. He looked a lot better. He looked a lot more spry. And then he comes back, gets another freak injury. But that's what happens in an 82-game season. Like, LeBron James is never again going to play 82 games in a season. Anthony Davis might never play 82 games in a season again. And the notion that the Lakers can just mess around with these bad lineups at the beginning of the year and figure that stuff out over the course of the season, like, no, those years are gone, man. You got to be able to optimize these, these lineups early so that when you get to this stretch of the year, when it comes down to, like, really looking at standings and looking at your options moving forward, you aren't sitting here hoping to win 10 in a row against legit playoff contenders. Yeah. The only thing that I wanted to add to that, and I, I'm glad you made that point about AD and I'm glad that you finally said you're sorry. Um, as I've been publicly campaigning for you to do for weeks. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I just want to add like, you know, let's not be crazy about this return and stuff like that. Like, again, they very clearly said he will be re-evaluated in four weeks. That does not mean he will be back in four weeks. That does not mean that he is, you know, your Mr. Glass memes or whatever when he does not hit the court in, you know, four weeks in one day when they have another game. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is going to take, like they said, reevaluated. And, you know, as uh, like our, you know, friend of the friend of the podcast, Jeff Socks in street clothes just said the average time loss for nondescript midfoot sprains is 12 games. Like, you know, around like average of 20, something around 20, 12, to 28 games, basically. And the Lakers are already saying he will miss four weeks before being reevaluated. I wouldn't be surprised if this stretches out longer. He said that midfoot injuries can be more problematic than a lateral ankle sprain, especially, especially if the Liz Frank area is involved. So, you know, this is apparently, even though you and I did not know that it existed until a couple minutes ago, midfoot sprains are possibly worse than ankle oh. sprains. So, well, actually, if you guys are curious about that, on the lowdown that is going to release uh, this morning, uh, I guess midnight Pacific, uh, Jen is going to hop on because I look. I thought ankle. You thought ankle. Everybody watching that thought ankle. Um, and I want to talk about Jen about it. And it's funny because I told Jen, Hey, do you mind hopping on the show just to discuss this? And she's like, yeah, I just need a few specifics. And I said, well, the Lakers just said mid midfoot sprain. And she said, that's it. She goes, I go, yeah. She goes, that's probably not great. <laughs> it's probably not great that they can't identify the limit ligaments that, that are really being affected. Here. Well, that they can't, or that they aren't telling us. I think well, those that are two too. different things. Well, yeah. That too, that too. You know, I, I guess I, I, yeah, yeah. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw to the second half of the show where Harrison and I discuss uh, Russell Westbrook and whether there is a scenario 
that we are okay with, uh, we would be okay bringing him back with. It was a really fun conversation. We did a lot more laughing than I think you guys would probably anticipate. And then again, make sure you stick around for the very, very end of this thing when we talk about the L's that we take. And I promise you, the humor that you see was not at all planned, not scripted, not nothing. The first thing Harrison said after we finished recording that last little part was, I can't believe that exact thing happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> so make sure you check that out. I'm going to throw to that, and then we'll talk to you guys next week. I was taken aback, one, by my own reaction, because if you guys listen to the lowdown, I didn't take it particularly well when Ramona Shelburne said that the Lakers are prepared to run it back are, next season. You were as earnestly mad as I have heard you in, in quite a while this season, because I think this season's broken you a little bit. Like, little you're bit. not getting that mm -hmm. mad about things anymore but like yeah, i'm pretty that, much laughing at it it was basically like you had heard it's like haha you know how much fun you've been having well get ready to do it all again let's get the band back together yeah. <laughs> exactly dude that is, that is literally me <laughs> i went through one season of this and they're like guess what's happening next year buddy <laughs> run it back run it back <laughs> so and i wasn't alone by the way you know, I, 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 I hope that that report means that it's like literally no changes. Everyone resigns exactly the same thing. They bring back Frank, same coaching staff, yeah. same game plans. They run the same stuff in training camp. They're like, DeAndre you know Jordan's starting needed, to start the year. Yeah. We just needed Kendrick Nunn to be healthy. And then this all would have went fine. <laughs> Especially after like just absolutely stripping down a championship level team. They, they force Mello to not retire. They're just like, no, no, no. <laughs> Stay in the building. You're, we need Mello, 20 minutes a night. Your hamstring is fine. The plan Stop continues. <laughs> uh, so, so I again, like the response to it, while it wasn't necessarily unpredictable, like it, I understood where it was coming from. I was just surprised oh, how people, unanimous it was. Not happy, Anthony. <laughs> no, look, we can't agree on anything. Like they, we spent an entire that was day. The one thing that has united all of Lakers <laughs> Twitter this year. <laughs> we spent an entire freaking day screaming at each other about what color a dress is and, yeah. <laughs> and when, the, when Ramona Shelburne said hey the Lakers are thinking about running it back next year all of everybody who either follows you or me or Silver Screen and Roll said no 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 it was that it was that Michael Scott it was the Michael Scott video no 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 please God no no and everybody was behind it like that. And and again, like this is this is something also like I think, you know, to Aaron's point, because he responded to me with this on Twitter and the Kamenetsky brothers also responded to me. It's not like the Lakers can just announce to people that are currently rostered for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah, you guys are fucking gone. <laughs> we hate all of you. What do you mean? None they of did you guys. that during the whole trade deadline, and then they well, didn't trade any of them. That that is that is the 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 ironic part here. Wow, they but... really were consulting with Magic. Now that I think about it, <laughs> it's like people they just forget headlines. We move yeah. on to the next thing. Um, that is how news cycles work, but not how people work. And so, uh, yeah, I it made me think though. All right, is there a scenario? Is there something we could see from Russell Westbrook this season? That would lead to a different response if we found out that the Lakers were planning on playing him next year. 
and I asked you about it. We were we were going to do this show, uh, this 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 cover this topic last week or two weeks prior, um, but something had happened, and we decided to go with that day's news. And and I think given Anthony Davis's injury, and given that this is by the way the reason that they went out and got Russ in the first place anyway is hey if one star goes down, here's this guy who can keep the energy level and 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 try to keep everything afloat in the meantime. So this feels like kind of his last opportunity to make it work with his hometown team. Yeah, that was part of the the reasoning that you just mentioned. That was, you know, I was a pretty big proponent of the Russ trade and that was mm-hmm. part of my you know, I I feel like I have to press That was some of the logic. That, I, that was some of the logic I followed. Yeah. Like I, mean, I that was that was part yeah. of the reason why the trade, like if you were going to make an argument for it making sense, why it made some level of sense was having yeah. that level of like star depth and another guy to be able to soak up more usage on, you know, if LeBron got hurt, if AD got hurt, as we've seen this year, that's not exactly how things have gone. And, you know, again, that's why when we sent out the, like, you know, the article about the report about them possibly running it back, uh, that, that tweet has seven retweets, 124 likes. <laughs> 99 quote tweets. <laughs> I have another, I, yeah, I, cause I was one of the people who like noticed that in Ramona's like initial replies. report. <laughs> <laughs> that are basically some variation of no. Uh, so, but as far as Russ goes, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like you said, this is his last chance to kind of show, this is the, his and the teams and everyone's last chance to show that there was some merit in this, that they can make this work well enough to get by without AD. And that's not necessarily like a fair expectation because we've seen all throughout the year, that's not really how this has gone. So I don't know if I'm necessarily expecting that to be how it goes, but this is their last, like chronologically, if they don't run it back, this is their last chance to kind of show that this is something that could work and that it wasn't a totally crazy idea. And again, like given the caliber of the opponent, that's going to be tough sledding. And I'm not sure that I really believe that they can do it, but this is the last real opportunity for them to kind of justify this. Do do you think it's like anything is possible, but would you, would you put money on him showing anything over the last 30 games or so? That would make you feel comfortable with him coming back next year. I mean, short answer, no. Uh, <laughs> but long, longer answer, I think, is more nuanced. I think yeah. it sort of depends on what they can get for him. You know, if it's in a vacuum of like, you know, should the Lakers go out of their way to try and run this back next year? The answer is obviously no. But if the Lakers cannot find a good deal where they're going to be able to get either something that can help them or just be able to, you know, either, I guess maybe use some, but even if they get rid of Russ, I believe they don't really have any cap space to uh, like add to the roster. So unless you send them to like Oklahoma city and take like nothing back, take zero back. And even then I don't think that you get that much cap space because both LeBron and AD, I believe are at like the 35% max if I'm remembering correctly. And then Uh with cap holds, like that's not really any realistic cap room uh, that Mm -hmm. you'd be able to create, or at least not very much. And again, this is like envelope math. I I know that they would be able to get some, but you know, the point being that, and then you'd have to renounce like all of your free agents. So like, if you've enjoyed the Malik Monk experience, say goodbye to that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just, 
I, I the only reason that I think really it, it's less to do with what he's going to do right now, and it's more to do if like if his market is just so apocalyptic that even if you attached both future draft picks that they will have available this summer because they'll have the 2029 pick available this summer as well too as well. So 2027, 2029 plus Russ, you know, if that can't get you at least a couple of guys that maybe they're a little overpaid, but they're at least you're like spreading that cap hit out. You have like yeah. kind of multiple contracts. You can move sort of the same problems that the Lakers ran into this year. You have more guys that are making more than the minimum on your team. Basically you're spreading yeah. the talent out a little bit. You know, if they, if that's not enough to at least get them that, you know, where they're getting a couple helpful role players in return in exchange for like a team that just really wants those draft picks down the line, they're kind of ready to go into a rebuild or, you know, some disgruntled star is like, Hey, I want to get to the Lakers. I only want to play for the Lakers. Send me there. And then, you know, the Lakers are able to use that contract plus the two picks to kind of get that star. Then, you know, if it's just like, Oh, you'd have to give us both of your first round picks. If you want us to take Russ into our cap space and give you nothing, then at that point, I'm kind of like, well, I think you kind of have to run it back because you can't just give up, you know, two first rounders or one first rounder just to get off his deal. But as far as play right now, you know, he could, he could play really well and make me more comfortable with kind of, you know, holding a firmer line on that. If I were Rob Palenka of like, no, 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 we're not just like dumping him with assets Mm -hmm. attached. You know, we are going to want to get at least a couple helpful players back in return if he can play well down the stretch. But if he plays more like he did for the first, you know, 30 some games of the season or something, you know, over the, for the most part over this last little stretch, when he was being relied on a little too much, he looked really out of sorts as the second option next to LeBron without AD there. Then at that point, you know, I I think uh, like, you kind of have to just get off of him because you have to try and figure out something else to do because this clearly isn't working like that, or at least it would make me less comfortable holding a harder line on a rust trade and trying to get something real back for him. Which sounds more like chasing a bad bet to you because I saw arguments along those lines on both sides of, of keeping or moving Russ where look, you made the trade you don't want to uh, you, you don't want to use more assets to make up for your bad trade. So that's one line. That, of, is, that is one way of chasing a bad bet. I, yeah, I, that I, is I one way. That's where you're going. But the other way I think of thinking about it, though, is, well, isn't keeping him on your roster chasing a bad bet? Like, isn't hoping that he works or this works another version of chasing a bad bet? Like... Yeah, sure. You're keeping your assets. You're not literally pushing more chips into the middle of the table, but you are passing up on opportunity costs by keeping them on your roster and and keeping some of those reps out of THT's hands and and, you know, maintaining the toxic relationship that he has with Frank Vogel. Like that's also, I think. Well, Anthony, I have good news. I don't you know, I don't. (laughs) I don't think oh, that yeah? second one's going to be a concern for uh, for them next season. <laughs> it was it it will be for the rest of the year though. Like yeah, it, for the rest of the year for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, next season. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't. Vogel's a goner. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't think yeah. that that's going to factor into their calculus very much. I will say, yeah. mainly yeah. because Frank Vogel but, will not be here anymore. Do you, Do you follow what I'm saying though about the two versions of of chasing a bad bet, and which do you think sounds more like chasing a bad bet to you? 
I guess probably the first one, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're like doubling down on like uh, where you're doubling down and sending more stuff out. I get what you're saying with the second one of doubling down on a bad bet. And like, you don't want to just keep him just for the sake of like not admitting you made a mistake sort of type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like obviously in a vacuum, you don't want to do that. But if the cost is, you know, going full less Sneed and saying F them picks, you know, and getting those two guys out, those two picks out the door, you know, you're trading two middle schoolers for the right, just to get off of this guy's contract. And for a time when LeBron is not going to be here and we haven't seen very much from the Lakers organization to make them think that, to make us think like, hey, without LeBron, they're going to be just fine in 2027 <laughs> and 2029, you know, like yeah. that is, that could be looked back at as worse than the Nash trade you know, if you do that just to get off of Russ. So I understand, again, you know, they should obviously want to put a team together as good of a team as possible around LeBron and AD, but they're also not blameless in making this bed. And I understand why they took the line that they did and saying, you guys figure this out. And I would sort of understand. Reportedly. Is that reportedly? I mean, that's. Yeah, I think, I mean, because like, because, because look. I mean, they didn't Ramona, make a trade. They told them with their actions to figure this out. Yeah, well, sure, like, sure. Yeah. But like, there's there are different. So there's different I'm framing not, to I'm all not, of this, right? Yes, right? Because like, not, like Ramona, if you listen to what Ramona is saying, it was what you're talking about, where where Jeannie, the Rambi Polinka, went to Clutch and said, "No, man, this is what you wanted, and this is on you guys now to make it work." Um, that's what it sounded like from Ramona's standpoint. But if you listen to like. Aaron talk about it, right? And 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 in and he he he'll say he said this publicly that like the Lakers tried to make moves, there just yeah. weren't moves to be made. So like there, there are two, not good ones. There are two realities here. There 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 yeah. are two kind of not realities but stories. I'm just saying, like literally with their actions, they yeah. told them to figure it out. Like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not getting into like what the conversations are, whatever. Like they they literally said we are not with their actions, we are not doing anything. Yeah. So you guys have to figure this out, whether that was exactly communicated to them or not. Like that is what they chose to do is to let those two guys figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I'm not so sure that I would, you know, and again, this isn't to say like they need to get like great return in exchange for Russ this summer, you know, like the Matt, I'm, I'm even talking about something like the Porzingis deal where you just trade one guy that is making way more than he's like, than his production is worth for two guys on bad contracts, but it's at least like two guys that could theoretically like play a role type of thing. Like I'm, I'm even thinking of a deal like that. I don't know if you include, I don't think you include both first for mm-hmm. a deal like that, but those are the types of moves that I'm talking about. And those are easier to facilitate in the summer when teams don't have kind of roster restrictions. They, uh, everyone has more cap space because they have more outgoing free agents, all that stuff. I, I understand why they made the calculus they did. And I think that there will be better deals available to them during the summer. And, but like, you know, sort of taking it back to Russ and can he do anything over this last little bit? I mean, it would basically have to be you, to make me not want to do that, to not want to take like a lose-lose trade. Like we are trading problems basically and trying to like yeah. bet on each other, like like not figuring out. The, situ- the situation being better for both parties. The the grass is always greener trade is basically sort yeah. of, you know, what they, they like, you know, it's both those teams, you know, the Wizards and Mavs both looked at, both looked at their guys and then both looked <laughs> at the other guy and were like, 
there's no way he could be worse and like pulled the trigger on that deal. Yeah. And the Lakers, you know, for me to not even want them to do that kind of trade where it's just like, Hey, we're both, ta- we both took an L let's just swap problems. See if this mix can kind of figure it out a little bit better. You know, Russ would have to basically live up to, or come close to the promise of like what the trade was supposed to be in terms of sort of giving you that, usage sponge that can kind of soak up more possessions maybe not do so efficiently although again he's been pretty good the last two games he shot 50 percent from the field over the last two against two pretty good defenses I thought he's looked engaged he has been you know cutting he's been playing out of the dunker spot he's been doing those things that like before the trade deadline he kind of stopped wanting to do and then I think now that it, they're kind of stuck and it's like hey we either got to figure this out or like, I'm going to be on the bench in my hometown and be like a goat for the rest of my life. Like in yeah. terms of like a uh, persona non grata in the city that, yeah, like he, so I think you've seen a more willing Russ of like, I am going to try and do anything that is asked of me. And just he was to... good last night. Like he was, he yeah. was really good in that. Utah I thought game. he was good the last two games. Yeah. since the trade deadline. And so if that kind of stuff continues, then maybe you're looking at a different situation where uh, what I'm saying is you're more comfortable not feeling like you have to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that like you're looking to run it back and you're like, this is my first option. Got to run it back, baby. They just needed health, you know? Yeah. But you are more comfortable with the idea of like, okay, we don't have to attach two firsts just to get off of this guy's contract because this is such a toxic situation. So I... Or even I'm, one first. Yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with especially that last part where like look, the Lakers just have so few assets that it's really difficult to use assets on just a sunk cost, right? To get especially rid of Especially when cost. you use one of those assets to attain that sunk cost. Yeah. Um that said, I don't think there is a scenario here for me where I am comfortable running it back. Like I don't if he if he turns it around and he becomes a decent story here for the rest of this season and he doesn't he isn't persona non grata in his hometown i would look at that as like a you know what let's end this on decent terms we had one final nice date we're just gonna go our separate ways though because it's not gonna work right and, and like and and like it's not maybe Conscious that's uncoupling they they're they're doing the yeah, cultural like, cold play thing yeah when it's when it's when it's literally amicable you know, when it's literally, yeah. it, you know, he and the Lakers both look at each other and be like, you know what? No. It's not you. It's us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so, like, I, look, I, maybe, maybe this is my own, like, the confirmation of my concerns is speaking really loudly here, where I was already iffy about this trade, already not really thrilled about this trade, and the reasons that I wasn't thrilled about it have all been confirmed um, about both like the fit and Russell Westbrook, like the player and the way that he approaches the game. I just, I, I don't like, I don't, I, I, maybe this is going a step too far. I don't, I don't really respect like his approach to the game. I respect his talent. I think the guy is one of the most thrilling athletes of my of my lifetime. Um, all of those things, but elite highlight player in his prime, incredible. like in terms of like just anyone who like whose highlights you would want to watch on any given night. Yeah, like, r- prime Russ highlights are unbelievable because he's just dunking on everybody. Like, yeah, yeah, and doing like even last night when he when he's he had that that uh, layup late in the fourth quarter where I think THT got a rebound on the right side of the rim outlitted the ball to Russ. Russ takes like, somehow he only takes like three dribbles, clears the whole court, 
takes off from a step within the free throw line. And he's doing this as like past his prime. He's doing yeah. this. He is a, an otherworldly talent, but like he also had to play early in the, in the, in the game, kind of like four minutes into the, into the first quarter where he's just standing there. There's a ball bouncing out of bounds that he just doesn't think anybody apparently can get to. Mike Conley does. And the ball makes its way out to Bogdanovich and Bogdanovich knocks down a wide open three that was created by Russell Westbrook's apathy, right? He was supposed to be blocking out or just looking at Mike Conley. And he just, he just, he has so many plays like that, that like you can't do that and make that much money and be a winning NBA player. And, and I just, you know, again, maybe, maybe I'm being stubborn here or I would be being stubborn if he did turn things around and focus more on the small things and show that like, yeah, I can do those things. And, and this is why maybe we should try running it back. But even then I would be like, yeah, but you did so when the chips were so far down that they almost didn't matter. Where was this earlier in, in this? Like if they reset this, if they run it back, what's to say that he's not just gonna reset his, his own approach to it and, and continue with the apathy that drove us all insane in the first place? Yeah, he, I, I, I... I can't even entire. I love that I can't even entirely dispute your premise that they could see like if this continued to go well for the last you know couple games or whatever, and that they could see that he could see that and he could be like you know what, time to go back into the next season doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know we're all running it back exactly yeah. exactly the same way. Uh, no, I mean I guess my 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 like follow up question to you then would be to kind of flip it back on you. Yeah, if you're this. You know, if you're this kind of done, we're almost mm-hmm. regardless of what happens over the last little bit, because I think you and I can both agree. I mean, this team is cooked. And like I had like a whole re- I had a whole recap written last night. They ended up deleting because it was just totally off after like they kind of had like a little bit of like an inspiring rally, whatever. But like, you know, last night was kind of the final nail in the coffin for this year and how it's going to go. And like it just on any hope, realistic hopes of them getting enough runway to make this work even if you were still optimistic that there was a good team in here somewhere as our friend raj likes to say yeah Uh, like now colleague raj yes (laughs) on the i I actually love basketball no we have like we have show and silver screen and roll friends but he's a colleague i'm only i'm only friends with people that i work with so that, that was that was an interchangeable term for me sorry pete yeah sorry hot seat pete uh and you know so i think i guess my question to you then would be if you're this done with it you know, what is the worst trade that you would make? Like, would you literally I'd just like attack? I'd buy him out. Okay, but w- what's the worst trade that you would make if your owner, in theory, is, is to unwilling say, to buy him out? Were to say, nah, we're, we're not going to pay somebody <laughs> to not play for us. That's that's pretty expensive. I'm, just, I'm not right. saying that that is something that will happen. I'm yeah. just saying, like, theoretically, well, it's also not the off the table based on that has not shown a great willingness to spend. Mm-hmm on things that they don't have to Mm -hmm. a hypothetical team, obviously no, no team. Hypothetical owner, hypothetical pioneer. Um, see the worst trade out because obviously like, yeah, that's, that's probably, but even then like that doesn't clear it off your cap. So you're still like, you have this giant, you know, I think I would revisit the, the rocket situation. And I mean, that is the obvious one where it's like, maybe those two teams go back to each other in the summer. And they're like, look, 
neither of us want to have these uh, guys like just we don't want to have John Wall sit at home the whole rest of the year and have to deal with all that. We don't, you know, like the although Lakers the Rockets, like, I think Fertitta might yeah. actually be more willing to buy out Wall than yeah. than Genie might be to to buy out uh, Russ. Which well, he can claim that as a loss, uh, you know. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so there, I and I think it, at that point it would take less. Like if you just. Because there, because again, they would be getting ready to buy out John Wall anyway. Yeah, and and so like there, if you if you're the Lakers and you approach them and you say, hey, you're going to buy out Russ in this situation anyway. You're going to buy out John Wall in this situation anyway. Can you do it for a second rounder, like one of these yeah. fake second rounders that like it seems like you came out ahead, we'll, you got we'll one over on We'll give you a second us. rounder to pay our guy to go away because we don't want to. You know what? Here's 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 an extra couple million in cash. Yeah. Here's you know. That way you come out financially ahead in this equation uh, so that we could swap out, you know, Russ for Wall. I think that's the absolute worst case scenario here. My hope, so honestly. So, okay, so but, but so that's why I wanted to ask you. Like, you would not, you would still not, just to clarify for everyone at home yeah. listening to this. Like, you would still not just say, you would still not give a first to swap Russ for Wall. No. Like, you're not that out on it. No, because, So there is no. a world where you're okay sort of running it back because, you know, the, like... Let's just say they are unlikely to buy him out, I would say. Yeah. Well, sure. But, like, I think it would be our, like, I, part of my analysis there would be, like, look. Although I maybe, okay. maybe Russ is willing to give back a bunch of money to get bought out. Because then, you know, well, you still are only allowed to spend veterans minimums, but you only have to pay Russ, like, $20 million? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Maybe I just came up with a scenario where the yeah. Lakers would do this. But uh, but I think, I think for, well, why, why would Russ give up money? He uh just hates it here. I don't know. <laughs> but like I think so what no I would say then. there what I what I would what I would say there is like I wouldn't be okay running it back in that situation. I would still be pissed. I would actually be upset that instead of like there is this out sitting right there, right? Here's this thing, here's this off ramp that you can take. It is something you can literally do, and it is buy this guy out. You know, to get, 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 yeah, you know, I honestly may have just talked myself into them greenlighting this if they can get some savings on it. Like, they're yeah. like, wait a second, you're telling right. me we're still over the cap and are only allowed to sign veterans minimums, but it'll cost us 10 million or, you know, 5 million or however much less to do it. Like, you know, right. never mind. This buyout thing sounds great. I kind of, I wonder if there's a number that they could buy them out to that would get them under the luxury taxes. That would be interesting. And I would, I, that would be I hilarious. Is, it was $1 less than that. <laughs> I think the thing that I wonder about is, you know, he spent all season talking about uh, like, as far as his willingness to take a buyout or if they're going to go down that route or something like that, like, you know, he spent all season talking about how much he's loved being around his kids, how much he's mm -hmm. loved being around his family, gets to see his parents all the time, all that stuff. That's great. You know, on a human and like, so would he really want to leave even if he's like even if this is like a miserable basketball well, situation you there's, know there's there's another team in la Harrison. well so that's what i'm wondering like would he take a buyout just like would then go be sign a very the rough thing to say no 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 f you i'm going to the guys across the hall for a minute i will take less money to to get out of this so that i can go play with them and give them some of the point guard help that they need i mean i think it's i that's probably the likeliest outcome here, right? Like if, oh, God. isn't it? Yeah, no, I think I think probably, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's probably how this it, plays it, out. Wherever he gets his buyout, because whatever team he goes to next, you know, yeah. he's probably not spending the year with that team. No, uh, not on an expiring. Unless I, I could, I could maybe see it as Oklahoma City, because I also, I also kind of wonder after the last four years of his career. Oh, also, I don't know why I was saying twenty million for the buyout number. I know that was probably driving people crazy. For some reason, I have like thirty million in my head is what he was making, and then I just remembered no, like right it's now like, that he's it's making be forty-seven million. So yeah, it probably costs like forty million. But yeah, I was trying to get it yeah. like ten million less than what he is making or something right. like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I thought that was really low. <laughs> yeah, no, that was very low. I I apologize. I like I looked at the salary figure thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. It's a forty-seven million dollar player option. Yeah, yeah, so that was. But funny. I. Like, I could maybe see him, like, if he got traded to Oklahoma City and they took him into their cap space, and I could see him playing out the year there and retiring at the end of that year. Because, like, the last four years of Russ's career doesn't seem particularly fun. Where you get traded to Houston, and you get traded to Washington, and you get traded to L.A., and then... The whole entire time that you're 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 playing in LA, you're getting booed in your hometown, like, and you're getting blamed for everything, even everything. things that are not your fault. Yeah, it just I don't know. He seems like the kind of athlete. He reminds me a lot, like and and people around the league have made this comparison too. He reminds me a lot of Allen Iverson at the end of his career, where he was, you know, stubborn in a way that is very true to himself. That no. Iverson didn't want to come off the bench as a six-man scoring option. No, Iverson didn't want to start shooting more three-pointers and start tailoring his game to the evolution of the sport as it was happening. No, Russ doesn't want to do those little things and screen and cut and do things that role-player point guards do. No, he doesn't want to be on the bench. He's earned the right to be on the floor in closing minutes, no matter how poorly he has played over the course of the season. So, like, it makes me wonder if, like... I legitimately wonder. And then the other thing too is if that's his approach to it, why would a team employ him? Like why would a team pay him $10 million? If that's his approach, if that's his takeaway in, and then after, after that game, when he is sitting against Milwaukee and he misses the following game and he takes the very next opportunity to fire a shot across the bow of the coach who sat him for, by the way, perfectly reasonable, reasons like it was it wasn't like when when like when vogel benched him i didn't see a public outcry for like how dare you bench this guy no he yeah. hasn't been good this year you know and 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 so like i i yeah no one wondered. was like you can't treat a star of russ's caliber like Even that. Le- dude, everybody's watched the games like the very yeah. the very first the first time it happened i thought lebron's response was very interesting right where lebron said look you know russ you you know how he responded to that. And I thought that was a very interesting look at Russ through LeBron's eyes. And then also at like great players through LeBron's eyes. I thought that was him, but but the second time it happened, and then anytime he's been asked about it since, he's just like, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. When when he was asked about uh Russell Westbrook getting booed and stuff, you know, and, and he's subtweeting him after the game and stuff, like, you know, I I think everybody here, and this is stuff that like is not particularly difficult to dig up when you talk to people behind the scenes. Everybody here is just kind of sick of the situation. And so like if, if everybody's pretty sick of the situation and you have this off-ramp here, yeah, I I would rather them just take that off-ramp than use a first-rounder to save money to take that same off-ramp. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on an expiring, maybe it's not outrageous that they buy him out. I mean, it... 
Yeah, I, I I'm still not sure them. I can see it them yeah. pouring that much into someone who's not going to play for them, but you know, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I I would really like to know what people think uh, is it like if there is a scenario here. And I think I think by the way, this is something that we should probably ask again in a week or two. Yeah, and, in two weeks revisit. we should revisit this conversation after the All Star break. <laughs> When we haven't seen him play in a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Has any distance changed it? <laughs> All right. Do you have any losses to laugh about? Do you have any blogging losses? I think uh, last week I shared that I, I strained my, my Achilles sleeping. Yeah. It's still really sore. I, had, I still have a knot on my Achilles that is not going anywhere. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, I mentioned my chip to my chip tooth or whatever uh, mm. last week, and so I went into the dentist this week uh, to, you know, get that get that kind of you know fixed up or whatever. They are like, all right, we already have the model of the crown because it was one of the crowns that we put in or whatever. So we have the mold. We'll come back in two weeks. We'll put here's here's some temporary stuff. They put in the temporary stuff that already broke off. Oh, so no. I don't. <laughs> Harrison, like. You're a vegetarian. Like, are you, uh, when, when you, like, you weren't biting into crazy hard things. No. Do you, do you cook your veggies? Like, do you? Yes. <laughs> Can I tell my, um, my, my best man, actually, Balin, uh, the girl that he was dating there for a really long time was also a vegetarian. And, um, she brought some, uh, a portable, like we were making burgers and she brought a portobello mushroom, uh, over. And she asked me to cook it. And I was like, <laughs> I guess I can't undercook it. Like, <laughs> Well, so ironically, <laughs> what may have uh, led to that no. was... <laughs> was it a portobello mushroom burger? Yeah. <laughs> this is not a joke. We did not plan this. Like... Was it an undercooked portobello mushroom burger that somebody who a, a, a carnivore did not know how to cook? Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get that specific on that, given where I am currently. But I think that, you know, you can take what Anthony said and you can probably <laughs> apply, apply it broadly. Yeah. We got to go. This show is not getting better than this. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week.